So this is Lauren Fiorelli, and I'm here at the Park Slope Ranch in the Brooklyn Public Library with Sandy and Carol Sandjur um, for the Our Streets, Our Stories Oral History Project. Um, and so, do you live in Park Slope? Yes. Okay. How long have you lived here? Well, I was just trying to since figure it out. Since 1968. So, what is that, 48 years? Something like that. Wow. 68. Is it that? No. 68, 78, 78, 98, 2000, it's 40. And it's going on, yeah, 48. Yeah. Have you lived in the same place in the neighborhood? or did you? No, 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 no. We started the first 12 years. We were living in, a, in an apartment. And then the uh, owner, the new owner, took it up one out of two back rooms so that we found a co-op up the block closest to the park, six rooms, mm-hmm. with two entrances in the front. So Carol has her own entrance to her office. And both bedrooms has, have doors to the garden, and we have exclusive use of the garden. There is the garden. We, we're on President Street. We never off between Prospect Park West and 8th Avenue, so we never moved from the block. When we had to leave that house, we really didn't know where to move, and Sandy wanted us to look, my, my son is Billy, the three of us, two, he was like 10 at the time. He wanted us to look um, in Long Island, and the only place I knew of really was Great Neck because I knew people from there. And we went there, and my son and I both decided to cry. We were the people. We were the people. Yeah, there was nobody and there. And so we came back and basically moved, which is it, up or down the block? I up the block. Up, up the block. <laughs> we were close to 8th Avenue, the last house on one side, uh, which had a driveway and windows all along the side and a back door where we had a hibachi. Yeah. And then I let this woman know who was a real estate broker on the block, and two weeks later she said, I got the place for you. So it was pretty quick, pretty quick find yeah. then? Yeah. I'm, I'm picturing our orange couch going down the block backwards on a car. From one, you know, one oh yeah, what was the, the what other. was the move like? Did you do? Were you just have everything on dollies, just like rolling them down? Yeah, yeah. we and, basically and moved ourselves. Yeah, seventy-five bags of, of garbage. <laughs> it was a very big yeah. apartment, and you know we collected a lot. No, of I had friends help me move stuff. Yeah, what was that day like? It was two days. Two days. It took two days to move everything. Well, it was a mixed thing because that apartment we stayed in was really beautiful and spacious and. Didn't um, I rent a truck, load the truck, and drive it around the backwards. block? Backwards. You didn't drive it around the block. You I backed it up? Backwards, yes. <laughs> um, it, I'm, I was glad we stayed on the block. I always loved this house. It's very unique. There are two houses that were built in 1886, and they're exactly like they're brick and brownstone. Brick and brownstone. And you can see, as we walked in, because everything was empty, but you could see from the little hole we have coming into the house, this... It's a very wide apartment for a brownstone. It's, it's much could, wider than most brownstones. And you could see straight to the garden. And it just, you know, I said, this is it. This is it. So I, I've never looked back since we moved into Park yeah. Slope. I love it here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you know your neighbors well? Is it like, what's, what does your community sense like? We know our neighbors. We're not that close with them, but we know them. Sandy yeah. was, when we moved in, in 1968, I mean, people would say, why well, are you moving there? It's a bad neighborhood. It was always very beautiful and interesting, but there were a lot of boarding houses and bars on every corner and German delis, that's what was here. But there was a real community sense because yeah. people, mainly people who moved there were like we were, which was <coughs> professionals, young, hippie-ish, you know, and 
And so there was a block association and Sandy was the first tenant who was the president of the block association. So he was president. When we moved up the block, there was a woman next to us, Alma Drake. She was married to the singer Alfred Drake. Her father was well known in the uh, in the music business, and Sergei Rachmaninoff, the uh, composer, pianist, used to play the piano there. Oh, wow. And when she took me for a tour of the house and showed me all these interesting things, and they went, when she died, they were throwing everything in her house out into a dumpster. I have a small frame with a piece of wood that's the sounding board of the first piano that was ever built. Yeah, maybe you don't want to record all this stuff, Sandy. <laughs> no, I'm interested in this. It, they did throw a lot of beautiful things out of it. We have a yeah. book of illuminated manuscripts now. They're not, I assume they're not originals, but I don't know. But it was in the dumpster. I mean, every night I'd come home and Sandy a, a would be A beautiful Tiffany it. lamp that came out of there. Yeah, you would go through what they were getting rid of. That they were throwing yeah. yeah. Well, we were, Sandy, you talked about community. Um, I was really very preoccupied because I was going for my doctorate, I had a son, I had three jobs, you know, a lot of things going on. Not that he didn't, but he was just naturally um, more social. And he struck a, a conversation with this woman next to us, Salma Drake. She, her house was loaded with cats. It was a real, it, it was, it stank and it was, the walls were crumbling, the electric, awful. But what Sandy did was he he struck up a friendship with her and he cleaned out her backyard, and she was so she worked but at night and she she was was so so grateful and she told us that you know when she decided to sell she'd sell us the house. Unfortunately, she unfortunately because she was a nice woman, she died um, of ovarian cancer. But uh, so yeah, as far as our current. Uh, the community goes there are a lot of different people because it's become much younger. younger. Well, we were younger too when we came here. Yeah. And there were a lot of kids, and there was a real street life. That's what I would say. Yeah. Really different. I mean, on a July Fourth or whatever, we well, we had a big stoop when we lived at the first house, and everybody would come around. We'd have glasses of wine and cheese. I mean, it was a very yeah. and kids would play in the street. Very, very active, friendly community, and yeah. it, it, you know, and then it went through um, some dangerous times. I mean, I, I myself was yeah. mugged three times. My son, about I don't know how many, he was he was young, chains stolen and pocket, you know, um, and we had a car, a Dodge Dart that. Had its battery stolen. I say this number and people think it's fancy, but it was and that car 17 was times. Yeah, the car had been stolen. The, the battery happened. was stolen 17 battery. times? We, no. we had, yes, it was. And we had it wrapped in with wires. And chains. Chains. Uh, I had to put chains over the battery. But it was, it, so you kind of had to look over your shoulder when you were all walking. And I don't, I don't know, at, at this point in time, for a while, it felt very, very safe, and then now it does. I mean, our house had been broken into. Um, you know who looks down on our garden? Hmm. Chuck Schumer. Yeah. <laughs> he lives in the apartment building on the corner. He looks down in our garden. Oh wow! Um, yeah. But so, at, at any point, did you feel like you were considering leaving because of that? No. Why not? I'll tell you exactly why. I'd rather 
die from mugging than from boredom. And it was never boring. <laughs> no. what, kept, what, kept it, what kept it interesting? You know, the main thing, and I still see it here, there's so much diversity. Yeah. And people, there were, of course, we had a son, a lot of young people. We had a dog. There were a lot of dogs. And it was a very... Um, the other thing I did, I got involved in horseback riding in my 20s. And I bought a horse called Wonder Woman, who I rode in the Brooklyn Bridge Parade as the headless horseman. Oh, wow. This was on its they, they, they closed the stable in Staten Island. I bought her. Where, where did you keep her once they closed the stable? At Preston Park Stables. Okay. And then the owner there, there were two owners. The One was a gay guy. Maybe you don't want to and say this on the... Just no, the other was the a, uh, a woman and her husband. He was the manure man. He was a moron. And she was bipolar. And uh, the stable was about to close. So we had a committee that got together, and two of us took it over. And I ran the stable for five years, and then found it was more than I could handle with a full-time job and the stable. And one of my boarders, a nice guy, Walker, said, I'll take it over, and he's still running it. So we kept the tradition going in Brooklyn. So is the stable in the park? It's right out of Caton Place, right on the it, other side. You know where Park, park Circle is, where okay. that funeral chapel is? Mm-hmm. It, the stable is down the block from the funeral chapel. It's, okay. it's not, I mean, when, when he had this stable, first of all, it was immaculate, which is hard for a stable. They come, I mean, I ride too, but at that point I had stopped. But my son and he would come home from the stable and it just wouldn't smell, you know, that. No, wasn't. we used to come home when we had, we boarded the horse, they stinking. But and, no. and she never knew I was at the stable. After no, that. it was real. And so it's, what I'm saying is it's deteriorated and we used to have a huge ring and there were horse shows. I mean, it was English riding mainly. But the, where the ring is, they built an apartment house. Mm-hmm. I, you, there were two buildings that housed horses. So were there, were there events? Were there riding events? Oh, yes. That people from the neighborhood would come to? Or? Yeah. I, I, you know, we had a number of ponies who would come to the block parties, you know, would be rented out. But there were... There were horse shows, yes, so people people would come. And then there yeah. was Sandy. He he taught before he owned the stable. He taught riding, and so I I, I would announce the horse shows in Staten Island. But I'm talking about when you when you taught riding here. He taught an X-rated class. I'm not kidding because the way he talked is like this. Um, to get people to ride, he'd say, you know. What would you say? Rock your <laughs> pelvis like you're fucking the horse. Okay, that you didn't have to say. I was, but because that was the right movement to stay with the horse. People would yeah. hear you talk about commuting what, 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning to hear him. So he, he himself was a show. Um, and then we had... I used to, people used to come and just listen to me. Yeah. Teach. Every year they had... Um, I don't know <coughs> if they have it anymore. For the St. Patrick's Day Parade... They would have horses coming down Prosper Park West. I don't, I don't see them anymore. And um, were there any other parades? No, I don't think so. But it was, you know, that it was part part of the community. Yeah. And for me, I had written a letter to the Times, which was published, and it was interesting because he was the one who ultimately saved the stable, which was what I was asking for. I said, taking this horseback riding out of New York is like the Dodgers leaving Brooklyn because really, as a city kid, that's what we saw. As a, you know, horses was really the only large animal we saw. So 
and then they could take over. The you know, I fell in love with horses at the age of seven. Did you did you grow up in Brooklyn? Where yeah. are you from? Yeah. Both of you grew up in Brooklyn. Which parts? East Flatbush. We met in junior high school. Right, right, right. Okay. Just and met. We uh, weren't dating or anything. He he was in a different SP from the one I SP? was in. Uh, special progress where you take two years and three years and two. But then uh, I met a, a bunch of, I met a friend, and he had a, a garage separated from the house that we made into a clubhouse. In with, East Flatbush. Yes. Yeah, with nice furniture. A clubhouse for like you and your friends, or? Yeah, and we had parties, and Carolyn would come to them. She was the girl with the ponytail. <laughs> She'd walk down the block with the ponytail, doing this, and one day she invited a whole bunch of people over. I was, the in, guys. I was in a sorority, and, and I really had kind of distanced myself. From and my I friends. wanted to spend time with her alone, so I told all my friends that she canceled. I went over there alone. You left out some of that. We, he did. He was not going to buy a ticket. He said, "You're only using us to buy tickets," but he did buy one. And yeah, and we, we spent the evening there, and then I invited everybody over the next day, and only he showed up. And he showed up. He said that nobody could make it. And I didn't know this what he's telling you for years later that yeah. uh, that he told everyone that it, that it was canceled. It was canceled. You wanted to spend time with her alone. So I mean, it did. What yeah. I what I wrote this is a, on a kind of different subject, but I saw on the uh, questionnaire they said about are you an immigrant? I'm not an immigrant, but my mother was, and I from Poland, you know, Poland, Russia. They never got it quite straight, um, and what is amazing to me is that for somebody she came here when she was seven with um, two sisters one sister her mother they had two brothers who had died so she came and it was because of World War One it was a long period of time six or seven years and shortly after that her father died so they were on welfare and I say to myself you know it is really amazing that in one generation from being on public assistance for some part, to me and my brother, we both have doctorates, and my sister has a master's. It is really an amazing country if we deal, if we treat our immigrants well. Mm, my brother, well went, my brother went to Columbia University and graduated from there, went on to St. Johns Hopkins to do his master's in uh, French literature, and he taught French for quite a while. Uh, he could speak French, Spanish, and he even could understand and speak a little bit of the Yiddish my, my, my parents spoke. Now where, where is your family from, Sandy? My mother's family is from Poland. My father's family were from Russia, Odessa. So you have similar backgrounds, too. But it was that interesting. Is. I spent part of my life. My grandfather built a house in 1938 in Staten Island. <laughs> and it was really like the country. Behind his house, were woods and a swamp. I used to see deer, rabbits, and raccoons right behind the house, yeah. And I loved going out there because it was a whole different experience. Yeah, completely different from Brooklyn, right? Very. Yes. In what ways would you say? I know it's the, kind of obvious the streets too, were gravel. His street was gravel. And he had a very steep driveway that went down. And we had this little red wagon. We'd take it down and make a quick turn and flip it over. And uh, it was it was very much more like upstate New York than yeah. in terms of the people and the activities. Right. Um, 
It was like going to the country. What kind of stuff did you do growing up in Brooklyn? Activities to keep yourself busy. See that that was it. You know, I know people look back and they make the it's nostalgic and it was great, and but it really was because we were very blessed. We grew up in the fifties, and really there was no crime. Really, we you know played on the street. We played. I, I mean, I was yeah. a girl, so I wasn't on the boys' baseball yeah. team, but we we played softball and we played heels and we. I mean, the Dodgers yeah. was like our religion. It really was. No, I, I walked I, around we, dressed we, in a Dodgers. Um, stickball on the streets. It was with running bases, stickball. And then we go to the schoolyard and play stickball, just two of us. You know? Yeah. And, I think uh, it was unusual because, it, at least in, I went to a school called, uh, it was 208, and it was. A progressive school. Yeah. It, and some progressive means probably most of the teachers were socialist leaning, which was true. And. But as a result, it was the classes were 42, 45 kids. But that also was the IGC, individually gifted children. They had special programs. Intellectually gifted children. Yeah. Yeah. And we had French from the first grade and typing. And, um, but more than that, the boys and girls, we were together. And so we were friends with each other. We really yeah. knew them. It wasn't just, you know, the boys over yeah. here and the girls over here. And it was, it was just, and the teachers were excellent. I mean, really loved their subjects. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had, we, we had a safe and it felt, high school too, felt mm -hmm. uh, so free, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just very different. Than no, my public school, which is not far from her house, had a bunch of wonderful teachers too, uh, you know. And then we moved over to the junior high school. The principal was a close family friend and my parents, <laughs> Dave herself. Did that end up helping you or hurting you at school? It helped me. Uh, How did it help? He motivated me, he pushed me. He said, you gotta do better. And he was a good guy, Dave. What was funny about that, funny, it was a brand new school. So there was only a seventh and eighth grade and there were gonna be elections. And the seventh grade couldn't participate. And I, you know, and then I said this, I don't remember even the issue now, but I've always been politically interested. I said, that's not fair. Then the SP kids will never get a chance. No, we went from seven to SP run. to nine SP. Right, that's exactly right. We would have yeah. skipped the eighth grade, we couldn't run. So I started the free party. You know, when you start a party, you're it, which I really never wanted to be. But it was, you know, it was a really beautiful school. Also very, um, yeah, and they Good talked teachers, a lot about like Meyer Levin, who was a, a war hero in the Second World War. Mm. He was a bombardier. Uh, and that was the name of our school magazine, The Bombardier. Right. You, you can ask us some questions because there's so much. You know, we've lived here all our lives and we're old. So. <laughs> well, no, I was just going to ask you, um, uh, did you see a different sort of character between East Flatbush and Park Slope? What, what would you say? Well, you know what it is, is at that time, East Flatbush was very much its own community. Yeah. In a way, it was a two-fair zone, so it made it hard, still does, made it hard to get to the city. Not, you know, not that we didn't go, but... We always had to take a bus to a train. It was a neighborhood. This neighborhood mm -hmm. is also what's what I liked about it. it. There's a feeling of neighborhood. 
but there we were, I don't know, it was mostly Jewish and some Italian. Here it's, it's much more varied. And more varied mm. in age too. It was pretty much kids our age and you know, our siblings and our parents. Yeah. Not, not a lot of... Um, no, I was Jewish, but my closest friend around the corner was Anthony DeVito. And we enjoyed each other's holidays. He would come with me on the Jewish holidays and we'd run around in front of the synagogue whacking each other with handkerchiefs. And on Christmas, I would go to his house and enjoy Christmas with his family. That's really nice. Was his, was his family from Italy or? No, 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 they, they were born here. They were born here, okay. His father was a ship painter. He used to paint the Queen Mary, uh, Elizabeth and the Queen Mary. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But they were very warm, friendly people, and uh, Mrs. DeVito was a wonderful cook. His father was brought home six chicks for Easter, and uh, they grew into chickens, and one day I was invited for lunch, and we were eating chicken, and Anthony said, this is one from back there. I said, Mrs. DeVito, how can I eat a chicken I raised? <laughs> she said, taste it first. It was delicious. <laughs> it really was. And, uh, My father brought home chicks one Easter, and uh, we were in college. He went to Pratt. I was at Brooklyn College. So we had these little chicks in the backyard. Of course, chicks grow into chickens, and the neighbors were going crazy because they cackled at, you know, 6, 5 in the morning. One day, one of them was lying on its side and had spasms, and they were my pets, so we took them. We didn't have a car. We took them in a cab to find the only vet in Brooklyn who would take care of chickens. And he came out and he says to us, I'm sorry to tell you, but your chicken has paresis and it's going to be your half your flock will die of that. And I thought, well, half our flock is one of two. Um, my brother likes the kid that, that uh, he kept them. He didn't, you know, he had to eat it. <laughs> you know, not to uh, euthanize it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Where was where was the one vet who would serve chicken? Oh, gee, in Brooklyn, but I, I, I don't know how we found him. From calling, probably. But I, I, I was calling vets. Say, do you treat birds? And one guy said yes, and we brought this chicken in. Mm. No, it, it's... Park Slope was different, but it's also a different time. I... You wouldn't have recognized it. <laughs> when we... When we moved in, Fifth Avenue and President Street, that area, was a real turf between um, Italian and Spanish. Yeah. And it was not, it wasn't safe. And when we, for the marathon, I forgot the first year of the marathon, but maybe there were five of us there, you know, watching. So, I mean, it's changed, it changed so dramatically. Williamsburg was the place where all my poor relatives lived. East Flatbush was a step up. So, I mean, to see the changes is absolutely amazing, mm -hmm. and I, that's what happens with time. But yeah. it, I, I think what it, it has not lost, that you asked about East Flatbush and um, Park Slope, is, is that sense of you belong somewhere. When I mm -hmm. used to tell people I lived in Brooklyn, they say, oh, do you, you know, do you carry a knife? You know, they really had a sense of it as being not the experience. I always felt safe. My father being a cop, always carrying a gun. A cop in Brooklyn? Yeah. Yes. Oh, he no, didn't. No, no, no. no, no. 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 Precinct was at Greenwich Village. Okay, okay. 
But he was a college educated and a, an accomplished violinist. So he loved the village because he, he liked the artists, the musicians. Occasionally he'd bring his violin in and play with them on the street. Oh. They were shocked to watch a cop play a violin, classical music. He didn't know that. Yeah, he did that once in a while. I have his violin. I always wanted to learn it, and he said, no, I can't stand listening to it. After he died, I found a business card with his name and said, violin instructor. He just didn't want to teach you, was it? But I got him back. I started playing guitar during the early 60s. Then I, a friend of mine owed me money and gave me a banjo, and I started tinkering with that. He said, that's as bad as the violin. Three weeks later, he said, well, you learned how to play it. I said, I'm obsessive like you. <laughs> and I did, and I still play it. That was another thing. There would be people sitting out with, you know, folk music. There was that kind of... We'd sit on the front... Flatbush in mm, Oh, here, 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 yeah, here. When you moved here. Yeah, yeah we'd sit on the front steps playing, you know, music, and people would applaud me, you know. And did you meet people that way? Did, did you, like, go and listen to other people play? And You know, how was it? We just yeah. knew people on the block. I mean, I just talking to a friend of mine, but she she lives in, what is it, 47 Plaza. She has the penthouse apartment. Yeah. In any case, we all got together because we had children of the same They lived across so the street. She was pregnant when Carol was pregnant, so I got to know them. And the kids grew up together. Mm. And her husband was in real estate. We became very friendly, but he turned out to be a prick. Sandy, you're being recorded. Oh, I am? Okay. <laughs> and, uh... Don't leave yet. What made you choose Park Slope when you moved here? Well, you know, it's an interesting story. We first, we were living on the other side of the park, um, rug, um, Lincoln Road. We always wanted a park. We had a big dog. And it was an apartment house. I used to call it the Loonies of Lincoln. Very, you know, a lot of young couples also, cuckoo, you know, really, we were, I mean, not that I was much better, but really really crazy and I didn't I grew up in a house the idea of being in an apartment felt very confining so I knew we wanted we went to San Francisco where his brother lived saw these beautiful you know apartments with air and with, with light so we got to get out of here so we had to move and we first the only place we really knew of was Brooklyn Heights and we see this apartment advertised called the realtor, and she said it was $225,000 at the time, so that they And we were paying $85 a month rent in we our were. other apartment. So it was a lot more. A lot more, mm -hmm. and the realtor said, look, the guy who owns the apartment is saying, please watch out for his chest set. And I couldn't even figure out what could this mean, because the chest set is just so big. Well, the apartment was probably not much bigger than the chest set, the two twenty. It was a tiny apartment. Tiny. And then we found this this one six room apartment in Park Slope on President Street. In the paper, no in the realtor paper, right. for the same money. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a huge um, for the same amount of same amount place. Of, oh yeah, and, and that was two twenty five a month, <laughs> which we could afford at that time, and uh, stayed there until we had to move out. Right. Yeah. If you were mm -hmm. talking to my son, he would give you a completely different history. He's not here; doesn't live here anymore. But um, he would tell you he grew up in a slum. <laughs> Three twenty-one. He went to which, which he loved. I mean, you know, it was a wonderful school. It still is, I understand. But there was crime, you know. And if you were on the street, things things yeah. happened. But it, it just 
it wasn't a slum. <laughs> it was the, yeah, you were talking about uh, being mugged earlier, and so raising raising your son there. Were you worried worried for him, or you know, it it's funny how life goes by. You don't expect things to happen, and so I, I wasn't afraid of raising him there. But I mean, we didn't hover over the kids. He walked to school. I didn't walk him past I don't know seven or eight or something, but. There were a lot of tragedies on the block too, and I think part of that has comes from that's just what life is. We had so this is what really freaked us out. That little boy who was kidnapped in um, what the heck was his name in, in Soho was exactly my son's age. Mm-hmm. When was this? This was in in um, probably about seventy eight, seventy nine. Mm-hmm. And so. Ethan Pates, Pates, so... Well, we had another horrible experience. Yeah. So we worried about him if he weren't home because of that. There was a little kid, how old was... Oh, he must have been about six. Six? A neighbor took a plate of acid and threw it in his face and destroyed his face. Oh, my God. That was in your neighborhood? Yes, that was right across the the street. I mean, these were all friends we knew from the... So there were, you know, there's yeah. always. Well, you know, we knew everybody from the Block Association. This guy, by the way, is not to feel sorry for him. He lives. I he had an article in the Times, I don't know, about a year or two ago. He's had an amazing life. He's been a writer and he's a professor, and you know, he, he still has a, a marked face. I mean, it was a horror. Then there was the other thing. My my son always said he felt. Every other family was divorced. He felt deprived because he didn't have two. Two houses to go to on the <laughs> That's an interesting take on yeah, it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but so there was a you know, there's a lot of good things and a lot of difficult things that when I just well, didn't. we like the slope. Would you ever leave? No. Well, we may have to, but I, I wouldn't want to. You wouldn't want to? Why not? Because we have a beautiful apartment that's big. We have it's a big a garden. garden which is really nice for the city. Well, right across mm-hmm. from Prospect. I mean it's always beautiful. I, I, yeah, and that we're near the trains. I mean, right now. Yeah, we're one short block from Grand Army Plaza, and sometimes I just go sit there and yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, it's a nice yeah, I, I like people. I like activity. When we, when my son was a baby, and you know, I was pretty much home, um, just to see. I, I walked to the train at rush hour just to see people coming by. You know, and that's that's what I like. And the store owners, and some of them still remain here. I don't know if you may have seen it, but a couple of weeks ago, in front page of the Metropolitan section of the Times was our Chinese laundry. And yeah. he's always, <laughs> always been a wonderful guy. You know, yeah. he, he have relationships Henry with Henry and his wife, Judy, have been there for forever, and they're so nice, so friendly. And that's, you know, that was more of, that was more of the norm, where you knew your the, you know, the, the yeah, store know. people, and you knew the musicians, <coughs> and you knew, you know, and some have the stayed. The candy store owner now is a Yemeni young guy. Uh, what's his name again? I don't know. Faris. Faris, yeah, he's a nice guy. Very friendly. Very friendly. And, you know, and it's, it's and he has like a, a meeting of guys that meet there in the morning on Sunday. On Sunday. Pick up the time. One's an old <laughs> Italian guy, yeah. one's an old Irish guy, and me. And we stand and talk for about 10, 15 minutes. And, you know, 
Was there anything else, any last things oh, you want to okay. share with me? It's been really great talking with you. I don't know. Well, thanks for sitting with me okay, today. I really appreciate it. Uh,